Hey, this is Ali Ballas, and I am a victim of the 2020 lockdown. All joking aside, I just want to hang, and I've heard a lot of people saying the same, and sometimes with people who I don't even know. And as we've come to realize, that is not okay during a pandemic. Even though we can't meet in person, doesn't mean we can't get outside of our bubble. This is about learning new things, stepping outside, and all while staying home. Just because we can't hang, there still can't hang. This week on Can't Hang, I speak with Phoenix Rams, an adventurous and spontaneous diver who has had the coolest experience I've ever heard. Not only has she worked in Cayman as a dive instructor, but she also worked at the famous Ripley's Aquarium in Toronto and is currently working for a police department in pursuit of becoming a firefighter. Phoenix has had the coolest stories of her own and also is beginning a journey of writing children's stories. And now it is my pleasure to introduce you to Phoenix Rams. Okay, welcome to this week's episode of Can't Hang. This week I'm talking to the incredible Phoenix, so welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, of course. So um, you have like the most incredible stories um, and I'm so excited to chat with you today. Uh, But there's so much to talk about. So let's jump right in. Um, Let's jump back to growing up. So how did you first cultivate this passion for diving? Yeah, I mean, I was never really a water baby. Uh, I used to see kids swimming in the pools and uh, they were so good. And I just, I didn't understand it. I never really liked the water much, but I had a grandpa and he was a scuba diver. And whenever I was over at his house, he'd be showing me the gear and I'd be putting the regulator in my mouth. The regulator is the mouthpiece that like gives you the air and I'd be getting to breathe from from the tank. And he would show me all these videos of when they would feed sharks underwater and stuff stuff like that. And it almost felt like I was, uh, I was kind of groomed for it. I don't think I would have found it on my own. Um, so yeah, so he would always show me these things and I was, he would like pump me up for it. And around 13 (laughs) years old is the earliest you can get a license. And so um, for my birthday, they paid for me to get my youth certification and we did it here in Canada. And if you've never been to Canada, the water here is not the cleanest and it's not the nicest, (laughs) but I was so excited. I was so excited to just be underwater and breathing. It's a dream. Like who, who can say they've done that? You know, it was awesome. I really loved it. Yeah, that's so cool. So your grandpa was a diver. So was he just like, um, like for fun, like a leisure or did he like work in diving of some sort? No, he was a welder. So he just did it as a leisurely oh. fun thing. He had a group of other, I'm Polish. So he had a group of like Polish people who always went diving. They go to Tobermory. Um, Tobermory is like north part of Ontario. I think it's in Ontario. Ooh, I think it's yeah. Yeah, north <laughs> part of Ontario. Yeah, it's like five, five, six hours from the main city of Toronto. Um, and the water is actually really nice and clear there. It's, it's not very often that you find clear water in Canada, but it is clear there. And he used to go there a lot. Uh, the one downside is that it's freezing cold there. So you definitely have to wear a lot of layers when getting in. Okay. Yeah. I've always wanted to go to Tobermory because I feel like I'm not obviously a diver, but um, it's really beautiful in general. So um, I can relate to that. So your plan, like, was it your plan from all along? Because I'm kind of getting from your 
pre-interview that we did uh, that you want to be a firefighter in the future. Um, but was this something that you like always wanted to be? And that's why you thought diving would be a good thing? Or did you kind of figure it out along the way? Yeah. So like I mentioned earlier, my grandpa was into it and he got me into it. But yes, so I do want to be a firefighter in the future. And one of the prereqs to firefighting uh, is is the scuba. They, so they use the same exact apparatus, except for without the U. So when you spell scuba, uh, without the U, the underwater part is exactly what firefighters use and initially when I first got certified at 14 I knew I wanted to be a firefighter but I didn't actually know that those two things are so so similar um it just mm. it works out really really well and I I took it and I ran with it you know it, it's such a good prereq that firefighting does re- not require but they definitely uh look really well on that so it just worked out okay. really really well and um I'm really glad it, it worked out the way it does you know life always has a way of working it so to your benefit. Yeah. So actually, um, I haven't told you this before, but um, my dad's a firefighter. He just retired after like almost 30 years. One of my best friends is going through school to be um, a female firefighter as well. So I have like a bit of a personal connection there too. Um, So that's really cool. I'm really uh, impressed that you want to do that. Yeah, definitely. More power to them. The more females need to be in (laughs) firefighting. It is, I think it's going to be such a rewarding career. And I love, love to see females doing like the more masculine type jobs. It's so amazing to show that we could do just as much and, you know, we could be just as useful. For sure. Yeah, no, it's so cool. And um, I know my dad obviously worked as a firefighter for a long time and there were like a handful of women that he ever worked with. Mm -hmm. Um, But he always loved working with them because they were such like good workers and like they like could get along with the guys so well, like they weren't ever like, you know what I mean? Like they just like they were just like one of the guys and like they just never like always worked so hard and like they knew that they had to work harder a bit sometimes than the guys so like they really brought that to the table yeah definitely definitely. hopefully I'll be one of those two you know (laughs) I'm sure you will I'm sure you will um a bit later so you're not 13 anymore so you decide that when you get older um you have this like wild adventure I really want to like get the whole story on this so um you moved to the Cayman Islands so like tell me how that came about I did so this story (laughs) is quite lengthy and honestly it comes no, from cool. huge heartbreak and it comes from really tough times. Uh, as I tell you the story, just know that this was the toughest time of my life. But anyways, um, I was about, I think, 17 and I was living with my boyfriend, my long term boyfriend. We had a dog. We had pets. We had a, you know, we, just, we lived in a basement together. We had a car like it seemed like things were just going great. And then they weren't. <laughs> and, um, things just kind of crumbled. I was working with dogs at the time. Like that was kind of like a job I really wanted to do. And things just crumbled on me from one day to the next we just we both mutually like no drama we just mutually decided like just something's not clicking and something needs to change so I Mm -hmm. in that same day my poor boss she was amazing to me I quit my job I know it's so bad to do now but I quit my job and I told her everything that happened I cried in her office she told me everything's gonna be okay go figure it out and I packed up my stuff and I went to my mom's house and I cried a lot, but my mom, thank God bless her. She's such a, she's such a free spirit and such a, you know, whenever you come up with a plan, let's do it. Like let's go. So she, um, I love that. <laughs> yeah, she's amazing. So she was like, let's just, 
let's just go. Let's just go for two weeks. And I was like, go where, you know? So we hopped in a car and we just drove. We drove the, the whole East Coast of the States. We would stop at like Washington and Daytona Beach and like all the cool, like, you know, touristy places we would stop at, stay for maybe a day or a night or something like that. But we were pretty much living out of the car and it was so much oh fun. God. Yeah. And we got all the way down to Miami when a hurricane hit. I can't remember the name of the hurricane, but it was supposed to hit Miami really bad and they were evacuating Miami. So like all of the lanes of the highway, even the ones going southbound, everything was going northbound. People were buying water like crazy. It felt like the apocalypse, but you know, I was there for it. I was, I was, you know, I had nothing to lose. I was heartbroken and (laughs) I was just shattered. So I was just going with the flow. And that's something this, this whole experience has taught me is just going with the flow. Everything works itself out. There's no need to worry because on the other, end of it you'll think back and you'll go I had nothing to worry about and that was this experience Mm -hmm. so we get evacuated out of Miami and we uh, we go a little bit more westbound and we end up in a place called Pensacola and it's like this little like fishing town it's so cute and we end up in this bar and I was on the whatever I have nothing to lose phase so I was just (laughs) we were just talking to people at the bar like whoever would come sit up we spent like four hours and we were just whoever would come sit next to us we would start up a conversation and we started up the conversation with this older man like really really old very fragile looking and he started talking to us about how he was a war veteran and how he's so appreciative to be in Pensacola now and he gets to retire here such a beautiful place and we had this great conversation he told us a little bit about his family and then as he was leaving he got up from the table and he kind of really creepily at the time I was like what is this dude doing but he leaned in (laughs) he leaned in and he said you know I was born with nothing and I will die with nothing And that blew my mind. I don't know if he meant it in this way, but I was having a really hard time letting go of like what home was like my home was that basement with that dog, with that bed, with that dresser, with, you know, those clothes like that was my home. And I had a really hard time of letting that go. All I could think about was how badly I wanted to be there but that wasn't an option. And it it just dawned on me, like this old guy had no clue what I was going through, but it dawned on me that like home is where I am. Like home is within me. Like I could choose where my home is and what makes me comfortable and where I want to be. It's not tied down Mm -hmm. to a place or a person. And that things just shifted at that point. And me and my crazy mom were like, where are we going to go now? And we found flights to Cayman Islands and they were flying out of Georgia. So Georgia's quite a way, quite a ways away from Pensacola. So we hopped in the car and we just started going north and we got to Georgia, <laughs> hopped on a plane and landed in Cayman. And I honestly, the night before started Googling what Cayman even was. I didn't even know where this place was. It was, it was ridiculous. So kind of embarrassing like if you're listening to this podcast and you know what came and was like I'm embarrassed for me <laughs> but um so we flew to, flew to Cayman and as soon as I landed like as soon as my feet touched the ground I found friends and I found this community of people who were really like-minded like they they were adventurous and spontaneous and free-spirited and I I fell in love with not only the people but the island too it's a small small island um if you don't know it is like I didn't it's just like below Cuba between like kind of next to Jamaica it's very very tiny um it is it's about like 40 kilometers long and at some points it's only five kilometers wide very very tiny place and so 
we would go everywhere on foot with my friends and I got to know the island. And in this one week, I was only there for a week. I got to know the island, like the back of my hand. It's not very hard. It's a small island, but I felt so (laughs) at home. I was like, yeah, that street. I know that street. If I go left here, there's a shortcut. And my poor mom, I ditched her that entire week. Like I didn't see her at all. (laughs) I was, yeah, I was like nowhere to be found. I was loving it. And we have obviously had to go back after a week. So we flew back to Georgia and we drove back to Toronto. And I was just, I remember pulling into Toronto and this had been my home my entire life. And I remember pulling in and just wanting to throw up just knots in my stomach. Like everywhere I looked was a memory of like, Oh, this is a time me and my boyfriend were here. This is a time me and my boyfriend did this, like, you know, memories everywhere. And I just wanted to throw up. And I looked at my mom and I was like, I can't do this. Like I need to leave. So she's like, let's do it <laughs> so within <laughs> within I think it was like three days we were on a flight and we hopped over to Vancouver we have some family there so we decided to go maybe visit some family we stayed there for a few days then we flew over to the east coast and we went to Prince Edward Island which I had never been beautiful place wow. if you've never been like it's, yeah I love it yeah there. it's crazy how vast Canada is and all the like little nooks and and places that you would never think is Canada it feels like Europe or mm. you know no, it's very cool. You definitely have to go see Canada, like all of Canada, even if you are Canadian. Uh, so we do. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, yeah. we do. Um, Prince Edward Island and then we fly off we go to Ireland we go to uh, Germany we go to Tenerife Spain Greece all these cool places and I'm Polish like I mentioned earlier so I had family in Poland we kind of used Poland as a home base and one of the days while in Poland I'm feeling around on my breasts as you know normal human beings do (laughs) I feel I feel a weird lump which you should absolutely be feeling for lumps just a PSA but anyways I feel a lump and I go concerned to the one person who has answers for everything my mom and so my mom starts (laughs) to get concerned and we go to check it out with a doctor and the doctor's doing a bunch of tests and they find three other lumps and they're telling me that it's tumors they don't know if they're benign or if they're problematic anyways long story short I ended up having to get them removed they reconstructed my breast so that I wouldn't look ridiculous and they ended up finding five tumors um so I got a little bit of a breast reduction at the same time so there were some perks you know (laughs) so um, So you were still in Europe at this point I was yeah I was still in Europe there was an option to go home to Canada but it it just it all happened so quickly from when I found the lump to when I was getting surgery and the breast reductions along with that like all that stuff it just all happened so quickly that we just ended up staying in Poland and and we found a great surgeon like he's a great great dude um so I was I was happy with it like you know things happen and you just keep pushing on and it just felt like things couldn't get any worse at that point and I remember my family was so concerned and I just I remember being so numb and I'm an overthinker like this would have freaked me out but at this point like it felt like and it's so dramatic to say that you know a breakup did this to me but I genuinely felt like nothing can go worse so like let's do it you know and so um so that happened and this whole time I'm feeling like a pull back to my friends and came in like we're facetiming every single day and they're telling me like come here phoenix like just come like move here and i'm thinking i i'm not even the adventurous type you know like not in that way like i never i never had 
uh, plans to travel the world like crazy or I never had plans to live on an island like that was that just never seemed like it was going to be part of my life's path so it's funny that it did become mm-hmm. part of my life's path and now I know that there are people around me who have met me after this experience and they see me as the person who's the traveler who's a who's a hippie who's you know surfing and diving and doing all this cool stuff and lived on an island and mm-hmm. you know rad bro but that that wasn't me and yeah. I still feel like that isn't me you know that just the 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 cards just lined up for it but anyway so as soon as as soon as I was out of surgery my friends are still bugging me and I know I still don't want to go back to Canada because I remember that horrible horrible feeling I had and so I start applying blindly just to anything on the island (laughs) sending my resume in like desperately and nothing like for for a month or two nothing just silence and it was starting to get really frustrating and uh, one of my friends, he started talking to me about it. He was like, well, where are you applying? And I was like, well, you know, waitressing and some cleaning jobs, like pretty much whatever I can get. And he goes, well, yeah. you know, like the island, it works in a way where they only take expats from places that they like in in specialty jobs, pretty much. So they won't just they won't just take a waitress if they could find a waitress on island. So he goes, do you have any okay. kind of specialties like you should get your dive license? And I went, oh, wait. Yeah, I have a dive license, you know, I have to think about it for a second because it had been so long. I, I really like diving went to the back burner. I hadn't dove in years and totally forgot about it. I still had my youth license at that point. So I had to go get that figured out. But I uh, started applying to dive shops and pretty much the first one I applied to messaged me back within the day, had an interview within two days. And within three days, I had a job on the island. It was super overwhelming. My family was really happy for me, but I was so nervous and so overwhelmed. And, you know, like I didn't realize what I had gotten myself into. I was just going through the motions and doing the steps. And my friends were walking me through it. They were sending me the paperwork. I was sending it back. The passport photos, background checks, like it was just a step after step. And I never really noticed how far I had gotten after, you know, the 25 different steps I took to be on the island. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. so December, December 31st rolls around and I'm flying to the island and it had just been Christmas. So I just had all this family time and, you know, it was it was so overwhelming. But I, I landed on the island that I hadn't been on for somewhere around like four or five months. It had been since then. And I land and my one friend picks me up. He's so excited, hasn't seen me in a while. And he picks me up in his work truck. He was a chef and he brought me to my new house that I found online. Like I had never seen this house before. I just found listing for it. Yeah, it was so scary. And, you know, I was I was huge into minimalism at the time. So I all I came with was one hiking bag. And that was all my belongings that I had, like, period, like from from the breakup to to now, like this was all my belongings, which I'm pretty proud of because I see how many things people come with now when they move to the island and it's ridiculous but I take me and my one bag we go up to my house and he says bye to me because he had to go back to work but he told me he'd see me in the evening so I had a few hours to kill and I pull up to the house I say hi to all my new roommates they give me the wi-fi password actually no they didn't even give me the wi-fi password yet I had to ask for that (laughs) later I know that because the first thing I did when I landed was that I I walked, I took a walk and I went to the nearest Burger King and I sat there and I connected to the Wi-Fi in the parking lot and cried 
just sat there in the parking lot and cried. I, it was such an overwhelming feeling, you know, like something you had known to be uh, like yours for this whole time. Like now, now it's something totally different. I always, I always tell this analogy of this whole time, my whole life, I saw an open door with, for example, this boyfriend, I saw an open door and there was so much possibility behind the, there was houses and maybe kids and dogs and who knows, a farm, like who knows? I always saw through the door and I always saw so many possibilities. And the day that we broke up, I opened the door and it was just blank. I didn't see anything. I didn't know anything. I was so lost. And it kind of, that was the time that I'd been looking at this blank door. But for the first time in Cayman, I walked through that blank door and I was on the other side of it. And I was sitting in the parking lot crying, thinking, what am I going to do now? What do I do with myself? What my life that I had known a few months before was absolutely no resemblance to what I had now. And it was very overwhelming. Mm -hmm. I just can't stress enough about how hard of a situation that is. And I totally encourage you to do it. If you're somebody who's interested or has thought about it, absolutely do it. Because the growth I had had from the start to all the way now, being back in Canada after such a fun island experience, it was just amazing. The growth was huge and I am a completely different person in a good way. And I absolutely, absolutely encourage it if you do want to do something like that. But that is how I ended okay. up on the Cayman Islands. Um, <laughs> that is a wild story. Um, but my main question from that is like, what made you move back? Because it sounds so great that I would have like stayed there forever. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I did love it. And there are some flaws. Um, a lot of the people are very island mentality. And that's not to say all islands. That's not to say all people. Just my experience with this island was that I felt like I didn't fit in at some point because I don't drink, I don't smoke, like I don't do drugs. And the, the island mentality is very like hang loose. Like, you know, it's all chill, like mm -hmm. go drink and you spend all your money on the island. Nobody actually saves any money there from my experience at least. And that just didn't, mm -hmm. that just didn't sit well with, um, with me. Uh, it just, I just didn't resonate with that type of living. I did enjoy the really laid back, the, you know, the, the closed shop because there's not enough customers and just hang around and go to the beach. I absolutely love that. But I definitely had a hard time fitting in with a lot of the people. I had great friends and that, that was my group. But other than that, it, it was very, very hard for me. But mostly I came back because I missed Tim Hortons. I remember sometimes <laughs> I remember sometimes sitting in my room thinking, wow, I could really go for an ice cap, like perfect ice cap <laughs> weather. And um but the truth is uh, not long after I left for Cayman that me and my long-term boyfriend, the one that we had broken up, we ended up working things out. We ended up really being stronger from it because we we learned that we were taking each other for granted. And I was never a big fan of get back together after you break up, but I definitely believe in it. It, it took, it took that little separation for us to realize that like, there's nobody else out there, at least from our experience, like we are best friends. Like we miss each other. Like people always argue and fight and that's normal. Um, so yeah. So mm -hmm. now six years later, like we're still together. We're still living in the basement. Oh. Yeah. We have some piggies oh, now. Wow. So <laughs> everything's great. Everything worked out. And I'm so thankful for the experience. It was one of the hardest times of my life and I never want to be heartbroken again. <laughs> it was my first yeah, and hopefully sure. my last. But the, the <laughs> stuff, the perks that came from it, I would have, would have not changed it for the world.
So you get back. Oh my God, that's so cute that you guys are together again. Um, I really love that. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know that actually. Um, so anyway, so you come back to Canada, all is like kind of coming together. You miss like the water, the animals, understandable. There's like, it's a totally different landscape here, obviously. Um, so you work at Ripley's in Toronto for anyone that doesn't yeah. know. It's like a really big like tourist attraction, but also like a lot of people that live here go there too. So it's just more like just a really cool aquarium in Toronto. Um, so what brought you to that job? Absolutely. So like you mentioned, I uh, flew back home. We worked things out. You know, my boyfriend, he came and he stayed about two or three months with me while we were there. and oh, Everything wow. was great. Yeah, he was trying to find a job so that we could live there, but he had no specialty that the island, like to offer the island. So it was hard for him to get a job. Mm-hmm. So we ultimately decided to come back here and just figure things out here so I flew back he flew back with me and I I just didn't know what to do with myself for two weeks I was jobless and I'm I'm not a workaholic but I'm definitely not someone who could sit on my butt for two weeks I feel guilty and I feel like I need to go do something like I could do anything I could be anything at this point so I start looking around for jobs and I in the meantime decided that I'm going to go for a dive so because I missed the water it had been a while now if you've never seen Cayman or if you've never been to a tropical place, the diving is absolutely beautiful. You could see, you know, meters and meters ahead of you. You could see a shark that's like 100 meters away from you. You can see the oh, wow. surface from 100 meters down. It's The clarity is beautiful. So I definitely missed it. And I decided to go diving here in uh, in our lake, Ontario. And, uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I... I pull up to this dive site and this dive shop was running the, the, the dive and they had talked to me and they were excited because I had had stories about diving on the islands and living there. So they were excited and they knew I was an experienced diver. I had worked my certifications up while I was in Cayman. So now I was a dive master. So it was a professional license. So they, okay. they set up a group and they point at me and they go, you're going to lead the dive. And I was thinking, oh yeah, no problem. Like I've led lots of dives. Like this is going to be a piece of cake. And then he goes, yeah, so you're going to descend over here. And then when you descend all the way to the bottom, you'll see a string and you can follow the string. It'll take you to this swim through. So you swim through, um, it was like sewage pipes or something. It was like this big concrete barrel looking pipe and you get to swim through it. And I was like, okay, well, that's weird. You know, like in Cayman, you got to swim through like big holes in the coral and it would be like a cave and you come out the other end, like beautiful, beautiful stuff. And now I got to swim through a sewage pipe. So I was already like, okay, well, you know, like this, this will be fun. So we descend and I descend with my group of four divers. And as a leader, you're supposed to be paying attention to everybody, making sure everyone safe double checking that everyone's gear is okay and nobody's you know lost something hooked onto something or gotten lost and we descend and I'm descending and I can't tell I'm actually going down because the scenery is not changing all I see is brown and I the only thing that's telling me I'm going down is when I look down at my little computer that's telling me how deep I'm going and I see that we're going down but that's all I know and then suddenly out of nowhere this (laughs) the floor starts to emerge and I'm thinking oh there's the string. I understand the string thing now. And so we all meet up at the bottom and I'm, I'm looking for people, but I only see one because the clarity of the water is about as far as you extend your hand 
you could maybe see your hand. Yeah. And like I'm not I'm not I'm not talking I'm not talking shit about Lake Ontario. Gotta love Lake Ontario, but just the it's made of like mud and, yeah. and all that stuff. So the clarity's not For great. Sure. But I uh the whole dive I'm just following this string for my life. Like I'm so nervous because every time I look back, the only person I can see is the diver behind me and the back of my fins barely and so I'm hoping that that diver sees the next person and the next person sees the next person and I'm hoping we just get through this fine so we're following the string and someone has a twisted mind because at the end of the string was like a doll like a head of a doll and it's all like marked up really creepy yeah it scared me because you don't see these things until they're right in front of you so it freaks me out I try to act normal I tell myself nobody saw that because you can't even see me and then we go we find the swim through we swim one person swims through it before it gets all muddy and gross and you can't see anything can't see the swim through so everyone else bails on the swim through and then we just head back and I got out of there and everyone was like wow such a cool dive and I was thinking I didn't see a single live animal that whole entire dive let alone you know the other people in the dive so I was I was really disappointed um I'm sure there are really good dives in Canada but that one really disappointed me and I thought like what am I gonna do like this isn't this isn't working out for me I need to be in the water I want to go diving so bad and so I'm Mm -hmm. looking for jobs at the same time and I remember that when the aquarium first opened in like 2013 I saw a diver there an older guy with a big beard he looked like Santa but like skinnier version and he was diving and I I remember thinking what a cool job so I just out of like out of a whim just kind of go on the website and see if they're offering jobs and they were and it was crazy because the day I landed back in Canada was the day that posting went up and I thought this is meant to be this is absolutely this is one of those things where the universe is providing and all I have to do is ride the wave and so I hop Mm -hmm. on I send in my application and I hear back and it's a phone interview and I'm so nervous but this lady calls me and she's just so a down-to-earth person and so we have a really good conversation and at the end of the interview I go wow I nailed that and so the second interview rolls around where she takes me to the aquarium and I uh, I actually snuck in there a few weeks before a few days before that interview sorry and I did my research as any you know any mm-hmm. potential employee would have I went through the aquarium and I watched the shows and I tried to get as much intel as I possibly could so when I showed up for this interview mm-hmm. I knew everything like the back of my hand I was a pro and so <laughs> she was really excited she mostly the interview went from an interview to here, let me show you where these towels are. Here, let me show you where our gear is. Let me show you how we mop the floor. It turned into a training session. And I was thinking, wow, I can't believe I'm actually going to have this job, you know? And I was right. She called me back and she told me I'm starting. And I I got to be a diver at Ripley's Aquarium. So that was really cool. And if you're wondering like what the divers did, there was a team of 10 of us. So that was it for the whole entire aquarium. And our wow. responsibilities were cleaning the tanks, feeding animals, giving medicine, um, and doing these shows. And it's not like dolphin shows where they would do tricks. It absolutely was nothing like that. We would put on this full face mask and you can talk into the mask and you would be able to hear it on the other side of the glass. 
So I would go down there with a bucket of food and stingrays was our specialty. So there was a tank, it's called Ray Bay. And if you ever go there, you'll see it. Um, there's four, four types of stingrays in there and one type of shark and a little bit of uh, some smaller fish. And we would go down there with a bucket of food and we would be feeding the animals while we talk about what they're like, some of the features about the animals, some conservation stuff. It was really, really rewarding job. I definitely feel like we, we talked to a lot of people and some of it had to hit home with a few people. You know, we talked a lot about conservation and how we could fix the earth. And it was really cool because I had this experience. I had been in the islands where I would go and pick up garbage out of the water and come back with a big bag full of plastic towels, sunglasses, cups, oh. all this good stuff that should not be in the water. And it was mm. nice to have that experience and be actually telling someone on the other side of the glass about that. Because it's one thing to know, oh, yeah, our oceans are polluted with garbage. And it's another thing to, you know, really tell them, I have seen this. This is not looking good. I have been picking up this garbage mm -hmm. and it just keeps coming. And I, I think we definitely changed some lives. At least I hope I did um, in my time there. It was a very rewarding job and I'm, I wouldn't have changed it. Everything worked out so well because to get that job, you had to have the license that I had had. And to have the license that I had had, I would have had to live in the island. And to live in the island, I would have had mm -hmm. to decided to move there, which it, it all just dominoed into this. This, this perfect yeah. sequence of events that worked out for me and it, it was just great I'm so thankful for that yeah no that's such a cool story and like I feel like just the culmination of like yeah you're right like the domino effect that created this was like just so like mind-boggling to me and obviously you lived it so it's like cool to you but like yeah. as someone on the outside like first of all like such a cool career job whatever you want to call it um in such a cool like living situation like just all of it is like just so interesting and like obviously not the norm especially for maybe people from Canada aren't as like they don't move as much as people from other places in the world I find like on a personal level so I think that's really cool to hear about someone that does that jumping back to when you lived in Cayman mm -hmm. um you had this really cool story about like a fish that you would like visit and like it's just it sounds so cute can you tell the whole story yeah absolutely so cool. I love telling this story and you know even at the aquarium the kids we would also do these little like lessons like dive diver type classes where we would talk about mm -hmm. the dive gear and I would always tell this story because I think it's an amazing story and I'm so so thankful for it as well but uh when I first started diving so cool. in Cayman there was this one dive site it was called Sunset House if you ever go it's a great dive site great bar to eat at that. Um, definitely recommend it. But uh, it's the Sunset House Dive. And it's, uh, it's a few meters to this big, big mermaid statue. I think she's like nine or 10 feet statue underwater. It's beautiful. And then you keep going a little further and there's, there's this little uh, wreck of, I think it was a warship or something like that. And it's a really cool dive. I'm not going to lie. It was amazing the first three times around. And then after that, it got <laughs> a little bit old. You know, I've seen the mermaid before. Yeah, she hasn't moved. She hasn't changed. Um, coral hasn't grown because coral grows very, very slowly. So it got a little bit old, but for some reason, everyone loves to dive there. So, you know, me being peer pressured, I would be like, hey, it's fine. We could go to Sunset House and do the sunset dive. It's fine. And <laughs> I, I started to really pay attention to other stuff because the 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 diving, the, sorry, the mermaid, the, the ship, shipwreck, it all just got kind of old. So I started to pay attention to other stuff. And one day I look under this 
like little hanging rock and not expecting much. I look under lots of hanging rocks and inside little pieces of coral, hoping to find a gem. But most of the time it's empty or, you know, there's just something common that, that's not that interesting. But I look under this hanging rock and it's this little puffer fish. And it is the most beautiful little porcupine puffer fish with the biggest little eyes. It's just, I, they're just so cute. And I have a soft spot for them, but they have these big, big black eyes. Like if you Google it, you'll see them. And he was only about like, if you put two fists together, he was about that size. And I thought it was so cute. And we finished the dive, no big deal. And, you know, one day rolls around and everyone wants to go back to Sunset House. And then, and this time I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, whatever, sure, let's do it. And I look under the rock and there he is. He's still there. And, he, you know, I would go back every few days and look under the rock and check if he's there. And sometimes he wouldn't be, but I would wait around a little bit. And, you know, just out of, out of the corner of my eye, he would be wiggling all and over and going under his rock you know and it, yeah he so I guess he was just hunting or I don't know going for a fish stroll whatever fish do so it was really exciting <laughs> to see him and for months I got to watch him like grow up a little bit but he didn't change very much and then I left the island and honestly that was one of the things that I always think about when I left the island I would always think like oh I hope that fish is doing well like he's so cute like he's so cute and so of course I missed the island so about three months passes of me being in Canada and I fly back to the island thankfully with the Ripley job I had a lot of time off we worked a lot of hours all at once and then lots of time off in between so we I flew over to the island and I was pretty much right off the plane we went right for a dive and we go to Sunset House and I'm thinking oh my goodness I'm so nervous it'll be so nice to see this fish I hope he's there and I'm like psyching myself up for like well you know maybe he won't be and that's okay you got to be prepared for him not being (laughs) there like it's okay And we get in the water and he was right really close to where you get in the water. So my group is like, you know, doing the last second safety checks and it was a little irresponsible, but I was like, guys, I got to (laughs) go. So we get down there and I rush over to the rock and I look underneath and there he is, his big little eyeball looking at me. He was a little bit bigger than when I last knew him. And it was just, it was such a nice experience to know that like, that I don't know, just there was something fulfilling about it. Like this little guy, like he's still here. He's still living his life. He's growing. It's, it's cool because you don't mm-hmm. often see the same animals over and over again. So it was really, really cool and really rewarding to go and see them. So cute. Oh my goodness. Yeah, no, that's so cool that like, to me, it's like, um, I don't know if you thought of this before, but to me, it's like, oh, like so many things obviously changed in your life. Obviously you moved away, you moved mm-hmm. back to Canada, like you're back visiting and like, you know, like it's like that sameness that you're like revisiting. So I think that's like really like cool and just like so inspirational. Yeah, yeah. Like home is still home, and you know, just yeah, the way just like I a left reminder. it. Exactly. Yeah, it was so fulfilling. Yeah. I absolutely loved him. He was so cute. I still go no. back there, and I sometimes see him, sometimes not. I think he's moved on to better and bigger things now that he's not a scared little puffer <laughs> fish. But it's super, Aww, super rewarding. That's so cute. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's so cute. Um. Okay. So that's such a cool and like wholesome story but this one is wild Mm -hmm. um so later is it later than this you go to Hawaii and like the craziest wild thing happens yeah so this was a little under a year ago right before 
like the whole COVID oh, okay. quarantine happened. I remember that we were okay. hearing about COVID and people were wearing some masks in the in the airport, but mm-hmm. that never stopped me from flying, at least in the beginning, you know, like it wasn't very serious at the time. I think it was around March, maybe. Um, one of okay, my yeah. One of my friend's husbands was on a trip to Hawaii. He worked and he had to do some kind of work there. And so she was like, let's do it. Like, come to Hawaii with me. Like, it'll be fun. We'll have a fun experience. So I decided to just fly like uh, very spontaneously. And so I fly over to Hawaii and it's, uh, it's beautiful there. Absolutely beautiful. Definitely recommend to go see, but we decided to go for a dive. So she was, I actually met her at the aquarium. She was working with me for a little bit and then she had to leave Uh, Her husband got a job in the States. So that's how I knew her. So she was a diver. And so we decided to go for a dive. And Hawaii, I thought Hawaii was warm, tropical water. And I was so mistaken because Cayman, Cayman is so close to other islands that it's almost in like a little bathtub of warm water. So the water stays really warm. But Hawaii, since it's pretty much out in the middle of nowhere, there's nothing to be keeping that water warm. So it was quite cold. Um, and cold is something that coral definitely doesn't like. So when we got into the water, we I was looking around and I was honestly kind of disappointed. I was thinking like, you know, Hawaii, you think beautiful corals and things like that. And maybe it was just where I was diving, but I have a feeling that it had something to do with the water temperature. Coral is very, very specific about where it grows and how it grows. And cold water is definitely not something it likes. So there was not a lot of coral life, lots of little animal life, uh, some fish here and there. And I remember just during the dive being kind of disappointed. And this was a, this was, yeah, it was just a little disappointing. Like, I don't want to be mean, but <laughs> it was um, yeah. nothing special. But you know what? Cayman, beautiful place to dive. But we didn't have dolphins in Cayman very often. Then never, ever whales. So I knew that Hawaii was known for its dolphins and whales. So we're all like crossing our fingers. We'll see some dolphins, some whales, you know, some really cool sharks. Um, and then mm. I... Uh, if you've ever been diving when you have the regulator so the mouthpiece in your mouth all you hear is just (sighs) the whole time it's very very noisy it's uh, it's hard to hear anything other than that so the the ocean is not a silent place but because of that a lot of animals are scared of the bubbles and the noise but we are very noisy but I remember breathing and then hearing something weird and I thought maybe it was my regulator that was acting up and so I do something you're not supposed to do in diving and I hold my breath for a quick second just to just to try and figure out if it is me making that noise. And I just go silent and I hear this is so embarrassing, but I hear something like that. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, no way. That's a whale. That's a whale talking. And it was so, so like you could just you just knew it it was such a weird experience like shivers through my whole body because you were they were just chatting and I would be breathing as quiet as I possibly could so that I could hear them the entire dive and it was this whale just Mm. chatting and chatting and chatting and it was getting closer and I looked over at the guy who was guiding us and he was saying that they were close by like he was saying to keep an eye out because they could just be you know a few meters out of our sight because it was getting Mm -hmm. so and so loud so loud and then 
Um, so we're listening to the little chatters and my friend, God bless her. She was scared of, she's scared of whales for a diver. It's hilarious. So I knew that she <laughs> did not want to go in the direction of the whales. She just has like an irrational fear, but I was so <laughs> excited and we're listening to the whales and just little cute voices. And then suddenly a little squeaky voice, a little like noise is coming up and it Aww. blew my mind because this was like baby season. Like these whales had lots of babies at, at this time time and that was a baby chatting with the whale mom and it was just the most precious surreal experience I you could ever imagine I I will never forget it it was the coolest dive solely because that was it's just an amazing experience like you can google it on youtube and and hear (laughs) and hear what they sound like talking but when you're when you're there it's just like shivers just shivers like that's all I can say like just a surreal mm-hmm. most humbling experience it makes you feel so little and it makes you realize that there's so much out there and the world is so big and there's so much to discover and they just they make you feel so little it was such a cool experience I you can google yeah. it but uh, geez if you could ever <laughs> ever get the experience like firsthand in the water absolutely do it so cool <laughs> yeah I cannot even imagine I've um never dove and like I just can't like you can like when you're telling that story like it's like shivers like you know like it is like you say like they're obviously <laughs> just so big but like I feel like it's not even like about their like size it's just like about that like other things like communicate like there's just as like much intelligence I feel like uh, like we're not the only ones like you know what I mean like that's how I feel when you tell that story um so that seems so cool to me as someone who's like not like a underwater aficionado <laughs> yeah. or whatever yeah definitely it is it is so cool that we just we just don't understand their language but that doesn't mean that they're any less or that they that you know that they don't understand mm-hmm. or that they're not intelligent or they're not thinking beings they absolutely are and it's so so cool mm-hmm. to to be a part of that and to hear that it's very humbling so I guess we'll move on to like the island life like wasn't for you forever um Ripley's wasn't for you forever so what have you been up to now like what's your trajectory looking like right now yeah so I'm definitely working towards the firefighting it's it's something that I absolutely want to do and a lot of people ask me like you're 23 why haven't you done it yet like why don't you apply but I just oh my feel God, you're like 23 yeah I'm a baby oh my <laughs> you're talking about all this like you're like in your 30s like oh you have so much experience oh fuck. I, am, I feel so I am, loser now. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, oh my God. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of people are telling me like, why don't you just apply? Like you have nothing to lose, like apply. But this is something that I, yeah, I never thought Ripley's was forever. You know, I never thought the island was forever, but firefighting is something that I see myself once I'm in, I will be in for life. And that's just kind of why I've been hesitant because I still feel like I have a lot of things I want to experience before going to firefighting. Um, that's not to say all of my experiences that I've had so far have absolutely been great prerequisites and have been a good path for getting getting into firefighting. So that's just something that I'm I'm working on right now. So that includes, you know, like the the like we mentioned earlier, like the scuba diving is absolutely amazing for that. Um, then I've also worked with special needs kids. I'm looking into volunteering for St. John's Ambulance. Uh, they're just being hung up because of the whole quarantine thing. So I'm definitely mm-hmm. working towards that. But I'm also working towards small goals, uh, just like little 
uh, bucket list goals kind of like being on this podcast honestly like this is so amazing this is something <laughs> oh, that so cool. yeah I could add to my like resume of brags you know <laughs> so um, oh that's awesome I'm so glad to hear that but I feel like a way cooler thing is that you're publishing a book absolutely um, can yeah you talk about that or is that like on the DL yeah so it's in the middle of publishing it should be published by December 20th 2020 that's my birthday and that's what I'm hoping to have it out oh. for uh yeah so I am publishing a book I I have always been into poetry which was a very weird thing for people to think of me as because I'm very uh I come across as a very tough you know uh individual tough and rough individual but I love poetry and I decided that I wanted to put it to good use so I have a little niece she's about a year and a half soon uh she's amazing and she absolutely loves books whenever I go over there she pulls out a book and she just wants someone to read her book loves books so I decided that I'm going to publish a kid's book. So I am. So cool. Yeah. So I wrote a little rhyming book and I, as you know, love scuba diving, but I have this weird obsession for astronauts and I feel like it's because it has a little bit of, it has a little bit of similarity to diving. You know, we are called aquanauts. Yeah. So um, I, I've always had this obsession for astronauts. So I've decided I'm going to write a book about, about Essie going to the moon. So her name is Asteri, but we call her Essie. And so, the book is about her and it's rhyming which is so fun to read for adults and it's fun yeah. for them to listen and it's about Asteri when she goes to sleep she dreams and she does all of her her best dreams you know she wants to go to the moon she goes to Mars all these cool things um, the book also doubles as educational because I absolutely like I said I'm obsessed with astronauts and everything to do with space so not including some really cool facts would have been uh, a loss on my part so I decided that I did some research on a bunch of NASA websites all that kind of good stuff so the book also includes a lot of information um, like things that Asteri at her age at one and a half won't really utilize very well but maybe when she's a little bit older six, seven years old, she might be interested. And yeah. there's a lot of information about different things like the moon, the moon, uh, the moon landings, Mars. Uh, we even have some about Venus, rocket ships, all that really cool stuff, kind of within the theme of space. So that's currently in the process. Uh, it's in the illustration phase. And I'm actually supposed to hear from the illustrator tomorrow about the process. So after that, it's yeah. just publishing and getting it out there. So hopefully by the time this episode is out, you'll be, uh, uh, closer and closer to being able to get it if you'd like it it should be on amazon yeah, yeah and it's going to be called a stary goes to the moon and i actually am not even stopping there i'm going to write more books and it's going to be a journey okay. to dreamland series so it'll be all these different kids so i'm hoping to have some boys in there some girls you know change it up that go to sleep yeah. and they wake up somewhere where they want to be in their dreams and do really cool things and a little bit of uh like i said like empowerment of kids but also lots of really good information and their themes so the next one's probably going to be going underwater and diving because that's, that's I was just going to say you need to make a diving one that's <laughs> no this sounds so cool and like so cute obviously um I know so many people with like young kids right now so oh my god that's so exciting okay so when I, when you said you were publishing a book I totally thought you meant like about your diving experience but this is so cute okay yeah um, I didn't tell you what it was I didn't answer that email specifically because I wanted your 
raw reaction, but yeah, it's a kid's oh book. God, It'll no, be so cool. <laughs> yeah. No, I love that. Um, that's so cool. And like, I respect that so much. It's such a like cool thing to do. Obviously, um, I'm like a big, like female empowerment gal, but like, I totally think that like, um, having like tons of perspectives and stuff on that mm-hmm. is going to be like such a cool, like valuable, valuable, like asset. And like, that's just so awesome. So I really look forward to like seeing that. Um, I'll definitely add it to my list of things to gift people. So, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, that's perfect timing right before Christmas too. Yeah, I'm really excited. It's, you know, it's something that's been on my mind. So I thought, why not do it? Like quarantine's the best time to do it. And, you know, quarantine oh, yeah. has actually been so um, not beneficial for me because I know it's not, it's not a good thing. Like good mm-hmm. things aren't happening right now, but I've definitely taken yeah. the most upside to this whole situation. I've done some, some stuff that I'm really proud of that I don't think I would have had time to do if it wasn't for quarantine. So there's definitely some positives to a really big negative. Oh my God. Yes. I totally agree. I love like, um, I'm not like the epitome of positive people, but like, I love turning stuff like that's like negative into a positive. So I really like that. Yeah. Um, but As you know, um, at the end, I do some rapid fire questions, like just to get to know you a bit. So we're going to jump into that. So are you ready? Oh my goodness. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I promise they're not too hard. Um, Okay. So first, like classic one, if you could hang with any five people, who would it be? Oh, I've heard this on your podcast and I always have such a hard time because I'm always like, you know, one day that'll be me answering this question. And here we are. Um, I've definitely had a hard time because I don't really, I'm not really into celebrities or like, you know, looking up to people I don't know. So it would probably be super boring. Something like my boyfriend, my two nieces, my nephew and my brother, you know, <laughs> like they're, oh, they're a nice. good crowd. Oh, I, I absolutely love, love my nieces and nephews. They're all amazing. Such great, great kids. So it would definitely be a fun time to hang with them. <laughs> Yeah, no, that sounds good. I I respect that. Um, okay, I'm not sure if you're like a well, you are a big reader because you're a book writing gal. Um, I'm assuming here, but what's your favorite book that you've like read maybe like over quarantine or like recently? Oh, okay. So this one's really fitting to the whole situation of what oh, my story that. has been, but The Alchemist. I don't know if you've ever heard of <laughs> okay. it. I, I, I talked about yeah. it a bit and I know that a lot of kids had to read it for school. That was not my case. I wish I had to read it for school, but <laughs> definitely The Alchemist. It's about, it's kind of about following, just following the path that was written for you and hearing hearing the universe and what it wants you to do and I'm not you know voodoo hippy dippy type of person but (laughs) I definitely have learned to sometimes let go you know sometimes you're anxious about something and you just have to tell yourself it'll be okay and like I mentioned earlier at the end of it you'll think back and go that wasn't so bad what was I anxious about you know and this book is a is a story let him not give too much away but it's a story about a young man who pretty much he he's stuck in a rut and he just follows these what he calls omens so um I guess you could have any definition for that but for me it was kind of like these subtle little hints that the universe was telling him like nudging him to go in a certain direction to to fulfill like his his um what would you call it like his his life's like goal destiny, destiny. <laughs> yeah exactly and it's so fitting because okay. I feel like I definitely definitely let the universe nudge me in the right directions lately and and for the past few years and I'm on the right path so definitely such a good book it, like absolutely read it such a good book 
Okay, good call. Um, I definitely will. I've heard of it a bunch of times, but um, I do need to read it still. So thank you for the reminder. Yeah. Um, my last one is it really suited to you. I don't think this will be hard, I hope. Um, let's say you could like, let's say travel restrictions are like, not a thing you could dive anywhere like today like you can just go diving today anywhere in the world that you want to what would be your like top spot to go oh okay so my initial reaction was saying Cayman because I love it there and you know that's home <laughs> for me but but my uh, my intuition's telling me Phoenix stop being boring and I think I would choose um Bonaire I've heard a lot of good stuff about Bonaire um, the okay. diving there is apparently beautiful and you just rent a car and along the, ro- along the road, there are little stops that tell you there's a dive site here and a little explanation about where to go. And I think that that would be so cool. Just a weekend or a week trip where you just drive around and stop and just hop out and go for a dive. I think that yeah. would be, that would probably be it. I've never been there, but I've heard a lot of good stuff. Okay, amazing. Well, um, that was such a pleasure to hang out with you and talk to you. Um, And you're so wise. Like, I'm just still shocked that you're like a year older than me. Um, So like, good for you. And you're like, so well spoken and so wise. So I'm sure you'll be just fine. Sure, You'll be a great firefighter. Um, I'm sure it's like part of your destiny. So don't worry. Um, You have so much experience. Yeah, you have so much experience. So um, I wish the best to you. And I'm so so excited I'll post um something on Instagram about your book so to make sure that everyone has the information for when it comes out um so thank you absolutely thank you so much this has been such a cool experience and I'm so proud of you girl go out there get it this is so cool it's so awesome and I'm really enjoying hearing all the podcasts about all the amazing women you know I've been listening to them and I was talking to my boyfriend I was like what do I have to offer like all these women are oh my god all these women are so like really going places like this is such an amazing thing you started I'm really happy that you did this is awesome thank you oh that's so kind i'm alia ballas and you have been listening to can't hang thank you so much for tuning in if you loved today's show please subscribe and don't forget to leave a rating and a review Visit canhang.simplecast.com to check out all the incredible people I've interviewed and who's coming soon. Much love goes out to all those who have been posting about Can't Hang on social. Please tag me in your posts at Can't Hang Pod and please continue to send me suggestions of who you'd love to see in future episodes. I have an incredible lineup, but I'm always looking for people outside my bubble. Please tune in next Thursday and hang with me and my next guest. This show is produced by me, Alia Ballas, and the music was created by Quan. Quan.